Welcome to the self-proclaimed second best podcast of the A7FL. This is the other side of the ball. I am the host of this show, Casey Cox. Alongside me, co-hosts Double D, Derek Duncan, the division owner of Nevada, and the commissioner, Chris Vera. And along with us tonight for this joyride is Corey Hammond. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, special guest and announcer extraordinaire, Corey Hammond. You already know. Oh, you said it. And it's on. <laughs> it's on. It's on uh, radio recording. I don't even know what word to use there. Um, so it's my inside <laughs> knowledge. Um, that's why, like we said on our podcast, when they do the tech stuff, I'm, uh, you know, I'm in the back there just like crossing my fingers. But hey, hey, guys, thanks for having me on. No sweat, man. If you want me to do a recording for your show like you did for the uh, newly formed Vegas Players podcast that will uh, be coming soon, I'd be happy to do that for you. Hey, man, we got we to gotta get as much clout as we can. And we know, uh, you know, clout is another word for uh, wallets. And, you know, you're the closest to Scott, solid gold boat, I bet you, on this uh, podcast. Maybe Chris is also some uh, solid gold, uh, you know, anchor at least. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, hey, I, I was just helping out uh, a group of guys with ambition, uh, with drive, hopefully, and uh, with, you know, excitement about the league. So why not? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Chris's solid gold anchor is only a reference to how fast he runs. <laughs> hey, man, anchors, <laughs> now. anchors, I heard when they hit you, though, on those crackback blocks, I heard those anchors were, uh, you know, pretty good at sending guys to the emergency room. Oh, yeah. That's what it, I heard, anyway. Chris was a beast with the blocks, but I, I'm talking about now. Neither one of us can run to save a lick at this point. Uh, I wouldn't Dude, say any of the four of us. And sorry for Mark. speaking up for you, KC, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're not as fast as Savion Cunningham, are you? Well, I'll go out on another limb Absolutely and just put it not. this way. I don't have to be faster than you and you and uh, Derek. I just need to be faster than Casey, if anything. <laughs> so I'm good right. with that. <laughs> so it was funny. Uh, it was funny. Casey was on mute, I guess, but uh, he it, it almost sounded like he had to think about it. It was like, you know, Savion is fast, but uh, you never so know what Casey is. Sometimes he, he thinks or understands that he's got superpowers that we don't know about. And then he tells us about them and then we're all ready to rock and roll. At any rate. So, uh, Corey, thanks for joining us tonight. I just want to, before we get into this, to say thank you for lending your uh, voice and talent and following to our Vegas broadcast. Uh, it's been an absolute joy listening to you call the games on behalf of our Vegas players and uh, the intent for us for bringing you guys on is obviously to bring exposure to uh, our side of the ball for the East Coast folks who are who are listening to your podcast and talking to you guys on a daily basis. But equally important, the value and the stroke and and the, the uh, professionalism and understanding of our game that you bring to our broadcast really elevates what we're doing here in Vegas as well. So just want to get that out of the way and. Uh, what do you S E O D to start this and then move on to, to, to talking the shit that we always do. Well, let me just then <laughs> rightfully appreciate the, the thanks. Um, I think you know better than anybody, Derek, that I would probably do this, whether you told me I was doing great or not. So I, I definitely appreciate the validation and let me just apologize for all the time that I'm taking away from my great partners in crime with uh, Matt Ryan 
Rob Fabian and even my guy KC who was in there and you know I was talking all over everybody but you know we just you know I think what we try to do is we always do our best um, you know by the by that third game I was talking with uh, Jermaine uh, from the over the top about you know where I where I started to go with uh, the nickname thing which is just my you know curmudgeon of my uh, inner self like one of my uh, one of my many you know characters that I have to you know fight back I guess but uh, you know it's always it's always great to talk football and and thanks for the pleasantries and you know fire away let's go right on and you're amazing so let's rock this I I want to start with uh, asking you Corey uh, seeing now the kryptonite rollout will say eighty percent of what their probably completed roster is going to be but by the time we get to Week three, kicking off January 8th at Bonanza High School, 10 a.m., 6555 Del Rey Avenue. Uh, what did you think of the constructed roster and what they were able to do against uh, what seemed to be an established team with a, uh, with a bunch of all-stars slapped together at the last minute? So you're, you're so the kryptonite you're saying, right? Yes, sir. I mean, I was impressed. I, I, you know, what I wanted to get in, and what's funny is, is if you listen to our three on one, we, we were covering the, that, the, the kryptonite, you know, a lot of the players on it and specifically how, you know, Anthony Wilkerson, RTC kind of fit into what seemed like a, a like a core group that kind of was already there. And the one thing that I didn't want, like, didn't get a chance to kind of fight back on was the, the mistake bowl you know, like, you know, series of drives in the third quarter because it was awesome to see that game on both sides. But what the kryptonite did in, in the first quarter is almost show that that you style A7 of hurry up offense, don't let the defense breathe, we're going to dictate the pace on offense. And it was great to see, and Darnell Richardson calls himself smooth, whatever. I've been going with Lex Luthor, you know, we'll pick whatever is better. But my guy at quarterback has that real, you know, ingrained DNA of that, that flag culture where he's on the move. He's, he's constantly moving. I made the reference that he looked like Tyler Murray, you know, the two-year-old with your, your phone, uh, the toddler with your phone type of quarterback. And, and he does have that Fran Tarkenton style movement, which I think is actually really effective in our league. And it, it starts, you know, as, as a good baseline, you know, and I am a little jealous of it. Let's be honest, you know, guys, we were talking about before the call, you know, running and stuff. But uh, <laughs> um, what he's able to do is kind of make up for some of the deficiencies that I saw in their offensive line when we took take a look at what they were doing on the offensive side. Yeah, and you called his offensive line a turnstile on the podcast. <laughs> now we're we're it's an, it's an entertainment yeah, honesty show. Is honesty, honesty, right? It's an entertainment show. But what I was what I got a sense of is. You know, the way that they seem to use RTC in the later parts of the game. Now, I was being a little bit critical because when you get in that point in, in, a, in a football game, you want to run down the clock. But, you know, obviously, you know, you give credit to the, you know, positive results most of the time. I, I didn't necessarily like the, the way that they achieved the result. But when you think about it, if they were struggling to block, you know, dumping it off to RTC is almost the the extended running game, you know, West Coast offense. We're talking about West Coast football. Why not see some Bill Walsh, you know, infused into offenses that these guys probably don't even know who that is. Right. Um, and and credit to the coaching and, and the offensive play calling to understand where they were in the situation, how they weren't being successful with up the middle handoffs or, you know, dive left, dive right to switch that up. Let the let 
like they had a choice, let the rush in and then dump it off to RTC for for a what would be a fake screen, but a screen nonetheless. And it worked very well every time they did it. Yeah, and then they, well, like they to, were also. I would like to see them with a little bit more too, uh, from <clears throat> watching them and watching their court, their quarterback run around. I'd like to see a little bit more of their uh, wide receivers on comebacks and somebody coming back, somebody going deep. Because I mean, he he really didn't have a target. I'm looking at, I'm watching it from the sidelines. I'm sitting there watching this kid scramble around and watching him having practically nobody to throw the ball to that's in his face that he can see and get the ball to. Nobody. As soon as they started that scramble, man, everybody was deep. And unless he was trying to, we were talking about it on the sidelines too, Smooth was saying, you know, what do they expect me to do? Throw off my back leg every time? And that's the situation that he has. So I'd like to see some uh, some movement with him and some guys coming back to the ball rather than everybody just staying deep like they were. Yeah, and let, let's let's touch on the nickname real quick. So Casey, I'm not Casey, uh, Corey. It's not just Smooth that calls himself Smooth. That's literally his nickname, and everyone who knows him knows them and knows him as Smooth. But you are more than welcome to come up with your own Lex Luthor nickname for him. But that is his his known name around Vegas, and dude, I mean, dude's and not, a no, real and, cool and, cat. And you know the whole the whole the whole uh, nickname thing. It, it just goes back to in in this league, there was always the guy that kind of was the 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 guard of like what you were called in this league. And it was LJ Smith's one of the original announcers. And okay. it was more of that, like, you know, talk your trash type of league anyway, even when we were on YouTube. So the announcer fit the bill and it would always either call somebody by a great cool name, or he would make up a, you know, a name to, to kind of like trash somebody a little bit. Um, he called one of the guys on the animals um, like first out or something, you know, he, and he's has all these ridiculous names. But to, to Chris's point, because I think as much as Smooth, Lex Luthor, Darnell Richardson has a point with, you know, running around, not being able to find a guy, the thing that he also has to look, because I'm always an accountability guy too, and not that he needs to necessarily not, you know, get on the same page with those guys and have them turn around, but if your game as a quarterback is to run around, those timing routes are almost impossible because that requires that you're ready in a throwing position at the time that the break is made and Chris is a wide receiver knows better than ever. When you run that comeback, you, you plant that foot turn around. If the ball's not thrown within like two or three steps, now the corner knows the route and they're going to come and get underneath of it. So, right. You know, but as, Corey, as, you got to understand Chris is a wide receiver thinks he's open when he, as soon as he, as soon as the ball gets snapped. So wide receivers aren't thinking about that shit. They just know that they were open at one time and you should have gotten the ball while he was open. I mean, Hey, really? You, you want know, me to say something about that now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. What are we here for? If not to talk shit, let's go. Well, I mean, look, bottom line is D when you and I played, I won't sit here and tell you I was always open, but I also knew how to run my routes to help others get open. And that's part of the game. And so for, for me, it's, it's like when, when I first started playing, did I learn that? No. When I no, got we, into we also it, we also had a fucking amazing line though. Let's not let's not get it twisted. We yeah, had probably the true. best line time. in our league for sure. Yeah, yeah. When, when the line is great, then all of a sudden that the only single move routes that you can run. If you run that double move, you're automatically open, and that's when the receiver's like, "Yo, I was open," and he's probably right. But to Chris's point, to just finish it, if 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 Darnell is going to be that that back and forth type of quarterback, then what they need to work in practice is the true scramble drill. Exactly. When he's rolling to his left, if guys are running deep crosses all the way to the other side of the field, then he's you know just just sitting there with just the the green rock with no you know no Superman to to take away from. But if 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 he's going to play that game and they're going to continue to play that way, 
I think the camaraderie and the chemistry that they probably already have, because KC, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the kryptonite do have a flag uh, history with each other, excluding RTC, right? No, yes, with RTC. Do. With RTC. Mm. Yep. Oh, listen. So that even makes it better. But the thing for me is, is that when we were, we were talking about their offensive line before, I was going to mention their defense at times. We saw it. And you saw Dom Smith make a great return. But we also saw him on a couple of those returns holding that thing like Deion Sanders when he had a clear run. Right. Forgetting that, yeah, guys are actually going to impact you in the body. And, you know, for, for them to get away with no turnovers that way was great. And, you know, Rob was talking about the mistake bowl in the third quarter, but the rest of that game was just back and forth, whether the offenses were figuring out what the defenses were doing, then the defenses adjusted, the gold were trying to figure out who to put in a quarterback. And sometimes it was working and sometimes it was not. Let me just say it's a no, no for no, no, but that's my guy. Still, you're a very good baller, but you can't be calling whatever you were calling and taking my guys out that were balling. But the crypto. Yeah. So I I actually got the, so, Corey, before we gloss over that, I actually got the word on that. Jeremiah, their primary quarterback, went down and was on the sideline with a concussion-like symptom, so they did not allow him back in the game until the second well, half he when, he cleared, when he cleared protocol. Yeah, he, 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 let's, let's, not, let's not say that he did actually get in and throw to a, you know, a, a nice little swing pass to my guy. Is Gentile uh, from the Force 2? No, he's not. He's brand new to the league. He's in, oh. He will be well, in rookie conversation going into the, the, the pro season. Well, that, that guy, that guy showed a couple of things, obviously that touchdown, but even on the couple of the other plays. Um, but yeah, man, I, just in general, the kryptonite, because when we were talking about it, you know, after seeing them in week one against OTT and uh, you know, the, the, I mean, the third of the game that we could uh, behind the scenes <clears throat> when we were just figuring out the uh, tech stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh you know, we were thinking, you know, the kryptonite, they have some things, but they, they definitely got to figure this out. Well, from week one to week two, we saw Herculean jump. And I think, uh, you know, those guys all did great, but I think no better example than number five for them, number 36 for the forces, you know, RTC Wilkerson, the MVP of your guys' division. Yeah, so Casey, I wanted to get your take on uh, seeing RTC in a kryptonite uniform and playing – with a more yeah. rapid, uh, loose offense versus the structured run game that the force carried last season. What did you think of him in that fast dash offense? And I, I thought he was great. I thought he fit excellent into it. Um, me and Vince actually had a conversation after the games. Vince, the coach of like, the kryptonite. So, yes, which, and he, he was like, so what so did you think after you saw what I put together? I said, man, you know, when we saw you kind of somewhat put together, all of us kind of went, hmm, what are they going to be? I said, this week after I saw you, I said, if your offense continues to do what it does and Wilkerson fits into the offense the way we think he will and the way he should, then you guys are going to be a dominant force in this division for the fall season, most definitely. And I said, and I'll go one better. I said, but you know, you're getting ready to come up in two weeks against the predominantly, you know, dominant team here for this division, for this season in the pit bosses. I said, honestly, I think if you guys' defense can come together over the next two weeks, you guys and the pit bosses are going to put on the game of the season for, for the fall. Um, and it's either going to be a shootout or it's going to be a blowout. 
And I think that'll all depend. And I told Vince this, I said, it'll all depend on if your defense shows up and can stop that pit boss offense. Cause I can guarantee you their offense is showing up and their defense is showing up. So you've got to be able to show up on both sides of the ball to be able to compete with them. But if you do that, it's going to be a hell of a game and it's going to be the game of the season. Well, let me well, just throw out here as well that the, uh, Kryptonite turned in their uh, roster for our jerseys and pants uh, order that we're doing and added to that was yet another force all-star. So uh, I'm not going to make it public until the submission is actually official, but he gave me a sneak peek of what he was asking for. So I don't want to put that out there until I know it's real and he's registered. But if he, if he comes as well, they bring another dynamic element on both sides of the ball. I, special skill player that we haven't talked about very much on, on air at all, but a guy that I've seen and paid very close attention to on the field. So uh, I'm, I am very, I am very happy to see what the kryptonite's doing in the fall, but I, my concern is what will they look like in the spring? Because half of their guys are from the predominant team in the force. And I, you know, they'll, they might keep one or two, but more, most of them are going back home to play with the champs. I, I would assume. Well, you know, the, the situation, too, coming off of that, Derek, and I was listening, Casey, I was listening to you, and my breakdown is a little bit different. <clears throat> I think that uh, the pit bosses are the most dominant team right now that we have uh, playing in the fall. I think that for Kryptonite and no knock against them, they've got, uh, they've got a lot of catching up to do. I think that it, for them to really make it a game, uh, as we were just talking about with their offense, yeah, their offense was showed us a little something. And I think the return game showed us a little something. Um, I won't hang my hat on that, although I had a comment on that. But anyway, we'll, we'll keep that between me and the returner. But the, the bottom line is when, we're, when you're looking at them as an overall squad, and I think that the weaknesses that they have right now is getting over the uh, play that they have for flag and really bringing their play into the A7FL. I think that it's going to take them a little bit longer to really solidify as an offense than a defense. And so I think it, when they play the pit bosses and I haven't looked at the schedule to see when that is, but when they play the pit bosses, it's not going to be the shootout you think it is because pit bosses have a defense. The pit bosses have uh, a little bit more right now than what um, I would say kryptonite has. And kryptonite has to bring themselves together a little bit more before I can make that, uh, that comment and say that it's gonna be a, a good competition. And you know what the pit bosses have that it translates to all football. It's, you know, even flag, as we talk, as you guys talk about sometimes, and, and Chris, we've talked about, you know, you guys would have in your past, if you had A7, played A7 because what you turned your flag leagues into. Without a doubt. And what the pit bosses have is the trench warfare. When you watch their game, we're going to watch how Trey Robinson is doing flashy, awesome things. We're going to watch how they do you know, very similar spread counter option, mixing, you know, spread offense with wing T type of, you know, offense, even the arena influence, which is going to get that misdirection and good running lanes. But what you're going to see that that separates them for me is that their offensive line, when you see that, that snap, which obviously isn't the snap, it's just the quarterback seconds kick set go. Um, they surge forward and their defensive line, they surge forward. That Madden cam that we were doing in some of the broadcasts, you saw Robert Burns just there 
and there was nothing there was nothing ott could do on their little sweet play that they tried to run because it was not blockable it was not you know it was not advanceable and anything that they tried to do was basically bottled up and, and thrown in the trash because the pit bosses are playing on the trenches in the same vein as the best teams in this league have figured out how to play so that's what i think the kryptonite are going to find out in two weeks is that you know smooth lex luther he's going to be running around all over the place and he's he's not afraid to you know throw it up there so Corey, let let me just say maybe right so I agree with you. The pit bosses have the best line play we've seen in the fall so far, and they, they are on par with some of the elite. Oh, like anybody disagrees. <laughs> right. But what we didn't see out of Smooth and the Kryptonite is their traditional offense that they run when he is at quarterback because they didn't have time to practice together yet. He right. has in his arsenal a fast moving, quick throw offense that if you have a great d-line it completely neutralizes so that would be interesting to see that matchup honestly right and and but i will say speaking of that hang on real quick let me promo it speaking of that matchup 12 p.m las vegas january 8th bonanza high school pit bosses versus kryptonite the very next game the very next set of games coming up so i'm excited to see it and I was RTC Wilkerson, and so is RTC Wilkerson, who had a private conversation with me in uh, on Facebook Messenger, and he was saying he's looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing Pack, seeing Trey, seeing Tone, and uh, seeing what he can do personally against that that pit boss D that's getting all the attention. Well, you know, yeah. it's an interesting an interesting piece to bring up when we're when we're talking about that, Derek. What you just said about about Smooth and his uh, his offense. <clears throat> There's a couple of plays that he tried to to make and I we talked afterwards a little bit and he says look you know if my receiver turns around when I want him to that's a different play and I agree with him because the ball was thrown you guys have seen it was thrown to the receiver the receiver wasn't quite didn't quite get his head around just yet for that play but we got to keep one thing in mind Packer likes to press when he knows the wide receiver and I think that when you look at these games and um, Corey, you and I spoke about this. This is a, a one-on-one type of situation. These are all, you're man enough for the most part. And if you're pushing and forcing that quarterback into making bad throws, um, the wide receivers can have their head on a swivel, but DBs have to have their head on a swivel too, because they're going to be able to catch some of those bad throws. And what I see out of uh, pit bosses and I'll give them, you know, their due, because I think that, um, Bartley has really put it together for them on their defensive side. Every so often you see them, they don't just rush three. Sometimes they bring four. And when you see that pressure, those quarterbacks don't know what to do except eat the ball. Nobody wants to throw off the back foot. So my question mark is what can that defense, how can that defense put them into bad situations? And smooth was really good with what he did. He, he ate the ball when he knew he didn't have anything there. And I think that he's going to have to do that quite a bit going against the pit bosses because I think that they have enough on defense to kind of, um, I don't want to say totally kill what they have on offense from kryptonite, but it's there's got to be another player that comes in, another receiver that comes in to show something there for, for me to say, yes, it's going to be a good game. And to your point, <clears throat> pit bosses are averaging giving up nine and a half points a game this fall. So, uh, th- there's a lot to be said about what their defense is capable capable of. 
I won't put them on uh, on par with some of the other conversations that are going on in my head right now. But the fact that they've held two teams and one of them, the OTT with Savion Cunningham, to, to six points last week, and Savion was not very effective on the return, they actually took heed and maybe listened to our podcast and said, when we gave them the note and say, look, you need fast tacklers. You can't just throw out anybody out there if you're going against a returner like Savion. So they've, they've certainly showed through the first two weeks that they are the class of this division. And obviously kryptonite pulling all of these things together and having the success that they've had in short notice after now having a three week break to work on all of these things. If they take these three weeks and get serious about this January 8th game, it is going to be a, it is going to be fire. It is going to be hard fought. And I, I don't necessarily think the pit bosses are going to put up another 56 point, another 50 burger on somebody with the way kryptonite actually controls the ball too. They can move the ball where these other guys couldn't. And they were giving the ball right back to the, the pit bosses every chance they got. Well, we, I heard Corey talking, I heard their podcast, Corey, and I was listening to it. I didn't get to listen to the whole thing, but you guys were talking about shit talking, man, wait until that game. Because both of those teams do nothing but talk shit all game long. Right. And you've got the uh, half of the championship team on one side of the ball and the other half of the championship team on the other side of the ball now going against each other with different quarterbacks. It's going to be lit and so much fun to watch. I cannot wait to hear you guys call this game. Uh, Chris, obviously you and I running it as we do, but to hear Casey and Corey vacillating and over, and I would say salivating over what's happening on the screen. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. I'm not going to lie to you. I wish I could wear a microphone on the sideline. We can't televise half the stuff that I hear on the sideline. Oh, for sure. That's how bad the, the shit talking gets on the sideline. They're keeping it quiet because they know what's going on, but they're keeping it quiet. And some of the stuff that, that's, you know, going on on the sidelines and some of the back and forth for, for on the field stuff that I know you guys can't hear up in the booth. And I know you can't hear on the podcast. I mean, on the, uh, on TV is just priceless. I mean, some of the stuff that was going back and forth in, in some of these games just had me laughing. I couldn't, some of it, I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking the sideline chuckling because I'm like, I can't believe you just said that. And it's, it, it's one of those things that if we could do a um, kind of like we're doing the podcast and not having to worry about this, the stuff that comes out of our mouths, people would be interested in hearing that shit talking because it is good. It's not just, you know, it, it's not your mama jokes or anything like that. Some of it is really good. And some of it's the stuff that you're just like, Wow, damn, okay, you brought that out. Now let's see what happens. And it goes into the next play. Corey, or, sounds, Corey sounds to me like we need to have a Veracast going on for the A7FL fall and let Chris have his own broadcast on, on a different channel that's on cable television so all the stuff that gets aired can actually get aired because we're, we're not trying to catch the $325,000 fine. I'm, I'm out. Hell no. I'm yeah. out too. No, I'm out. And it would, get, it would get ratings, let's be clear. But I also think in a world where Deion Sanders shows up in his first ever meeting with his new team and, and makes it about himself and, and has to put it out on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all that crap, um, you know, I think that it's actually better that the, the, the talk between the teams – is just part of the rivalry and the bragging rights because I think what builds players and the rivalries is not the 
media attention as much as it is the personal vendettas that guys get that is only about you know it's not about what was said on a podcast or anything which is awesome and 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 obviously what we've loved from what you guys have brought to our league you know almost from the rip once you guys got into the playoffs you guys started talking very very spicy for for a cold team in the snow tribe and me as a as a non-member of the snow tribe at that time was very impressed guys that was awesome and you know for for the the spokesman to be you know uh, the owner uh, and, and you know, basically <laughs> manager of the division for, for a lot of it. And, and Derek, you know, you gave me some praise. You're doing a great job in a lot of different things in a lot of different ways, but for you to even be one of the, like the vocal spokespeople getting it out there. I mean, you know, the one thing that I think we can keep pure in the development of this league so that you guys get those, you know, really, you know, about to start brawl type rivalries and let's, let's keep it, you know, you know, to, to quote, you know, Kelly Hurst, let's keep the semi-pro out of it, right? But right. that type of, of you know, fero- ferocious play that has become accustomed in the A7FL is only built when guys really are playing with, you know, their bodies on the line. Their heads are safe. They're not going to get concussions. But they're putting their bodies on the line because it's more than just, you know, for instance, uh, you know, uh, no offense to Jalen Hurts, but, like, when a guy is, is a little bit hurt, in the NFL, he's going to take the week off because he's got a long contract and he's, there's an investment in him. When guys, or he's thirteen and one. Pride. Right. Well, he's he's the man. I'm not taking anything away from him. But right. I was just saying, he's a he's a quarterback right now that's just taking it off. Gardner Minshew is going to come out and literally probably light everything on fire because he just loves the opportunity to. Jalen Hurts right. is still going to be the quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to be fun. But nobody cares about the Eagles. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> maybe Trey Robinson, right? Maybe Trey because he's from around right. there. Um, but I went or the or the team you guys will not talk about on your on your podcast. But go ahead. <laughs> What team is the? Oh, 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 no! They're they're like I bet you I bet you most of them are Pittsburgh fans, and the team that okay. we won't talk about, you know, they're they're probably they're, they're their own biggest fans. So I talk all to right. the quarterback all the time, um, the wide receiver that we were mentioning, um, you know, a, a Looney Tunes reference. That that guy is all about himself. Um, don't don't get me on a different train because I'm yeah, sorry I, I didn't mean to deal with it really my bad keep it but going I think, I think to just kind of put a bow on it man the kryptonite looked like they can be dangerous and the great thing about week one to week two for me look if if a, if a team's dna is flag then on defense they're just gonna have to tackle and when it gets to that type of game and we're talking about all this shit talk and all this high intensity stuff with no helmets and you're looking at a guy in the face telling him all this kind of stuff that isn't allowed on uh the the broadcast because we're we would be down three hundred thousand dollars you're gonna have to tackle somebody you're not gonna be able to reach and touch their hip and then it's good you're gonna have to with your body bring another man down against his will. And that's what we're going to have to find out about the kryptonite, I think is the biggest question because they, they clearly have the skill and they have a, they have a, you know, maybe the best player in your guys' division. And there's a, there's, it's definitely an argument at the top, but RTC is up there. So, so the kryptonite- wait, hold on, Corey, Corey, you, you, you said it in your podcast. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna call you on this. <clears throat> Actually, I think it was Rob that said it. Um, I think we saw RTC make a couple of business decisions in that game no, would you agree what what i said what i said and i wanted to point out and and i do want to be clear the, the game was out of reach so what i said is that on that play he played for the forces and not the <laughs> kryptonite because my guy pat dixon on the first time he, he lowered his shoulder and said i'm here to play tight end the right way 
And RTC has been playing great defense for them in that game. I think he made, you know, upward of five, six, seven tackles just on his own. And as a running back guy to, to show that kind of effort means that he's kind of all in the game was out of reach. But if you look at the replay on that last touchdown that Pat Dixon scored for the gold, my guy was as still and as smooth <laughs> and as motionless as a pond at 3 a.m. somewhere in, in the depths of a like a Vegas uh, vacation. Like, like I said, it was a business decision. I, I believe was a business he was. Decision. He, he, I believe he was. I was standing pausing. on the sidelines right in front of that play. I believe he was pausing and trying to mimic his uh, player card. So don't worry about it. He, he'll be fine. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of, of failure to load, um, the everyone that was calling the game, we had the guy that's nickname was Knox, but had zero uh, like no name listed. Can we just can we just finish the joke that I was trying to make over and over again? Is that the guy like from the replacement? So are we not supposed to talk about who he is? Do we just want to let him go and just not even bring any attention to him? Because my man was dressed like he didn't want to be known, <laughs> didn't idea. give us his actual name, and just said Knox, as if yeah, he was good. like. It's kind of like Pac-Man Jones when he played the Jamboree. Yeah, the, the no number and hoodie on, so you couldn't tell who he was. But he, you saw a very nice close-up where you could see his face, and you're like, oh, I know who that is. <laughs> should I say it or should I just leave it because this is your guy's podcast? I'll say what you want, man. I, look, I'm not hiding anything. I didn't, someone see, I didn't see Kurt's face, but as soon as I saw the hairline, I knew it was him. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, and shout-out to Curtis Jones. I saw that he was uh, – you in charge of the down mic down marker for the pit bosses last week. I'm not sure why he didn't play the game or maybe they just didn't need him and he's taking a break, but I saw him rocking the down I, marker. I, I want to say, I think he was hurt. Okay. That, that, that's sad. Was, yeah. yeah it's, not, it's, not my play, it's not my place to say uh, on a podcast, what's going on with my guy, but I think part of it, part of my character will say that he, he really was very confident that it wasn't a necessary thing for one of the Got MVPs it. to grace the field with his prowess Got against so he, the uh, he, opponents that they were against. He pulled a big Rob Fabian and won't play against the six pack is what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, he literally was on our podcast saying he doesn't do that, but Got it. For, for the character of our show collectively, I'm going to say yes. So, all right. So let's roll into the other two games coming up in uh, two weeks uh, just to kind of preview them, not give any uh, predictions. We got a lot of things going on. So uh, I want to talk about the third game before we talk about the first game. And that is going to be the Insomniacs versus the gold. So uh, the gold showed a lot of flexibility throughout that game with Jeremiah going down and having a, a backup quarterback who actually was capable of moving the ball. And the Insomniacs, again, looked like they didn't have it together. I, I, I want to get your guys' take on what you saw from both of those squads that are going to be matched up in game three on January 8th. Well, I could start with saying that um, Jeremiah is definitely a pretty good leader with, with what he does, <clears throat> especially with being the quarterback. I think that, um, you know, he, he got, I don't know how he hurt his back, but he hurt his back in the first, first week. And I think that in the Jamboree, that is. And I can't remember how he did it, but I think that had a little bit to do with, with uh, what happened to him last week as well. Um, but I think that with him, you know, whether he's on the sidelines or whether he is playing QB, it's going to help him. And what I mean by that is when he's standing off the sidelines, he sees a lot. And you're right, the quarterback that goes in, 
uh, behind him is pretty good. And I think that um, they have an opportunity to, uh, to really put some points up on the board. What I'm not sure with the Insomniacs is truly their offensive line. Uh, the quarterback isn't bad, but their offensive line is my question mark. And not from the standpoint of being bad, because they're not. I think it's the youth. But uh, the other side of it, too, is just what the wide receivers are doing. In some of the plays that I was watching, I really wasn't noticing, and, that, and this is going to sound bad, but I really wasn't recognizing the routes that they're supposed to be running. I was questioning what they were doing, what the wide receivers were up to, and even on some of the run plays, um, I hate to say it, but some of their wide receivers look like Matadors with the Ole letting the guys yeah. run right by them. And what's interesting is I saw the, their offensive line as a bright spot for them. And I, I, I understand what you're saying, but looking at the overall play of, for them on offense, the offensive line, the quarterback is the seeming to be the only things that stood out as a positive where the skill positions was not to your point, not to say that they won't get it together. I know that they had, uh, obviously, in the offseason, decimated with the cutting of Rashad and him taking all the players over to the Hunters and having to rebuild that. And um, they're going to use these next three weeks to really come together as a unit and help these guys understand how to play this game. And I know that uh, Coach John Wood is uh, spending some extra time with these guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to get them ready to go. And I'm hoping that that uh, shows promise, actually yields positive results, because otherwise – they could potentially end up 0-6 again, just like they did last fall, but with, with, but with new leadership uh, with Donnie Bunak, God rest his soul, being gone. Uh, Coach Q right now is really at the bottom looking up, and I'm hoping they can pull it together. My take would be a couple of things. Their, their defense, none of the guys that are in the positions that they're in ever make an effort to get on the other side of the neutral zone. I've seen their defensive tackles, defensive end, linebackers, corners, whoever it is that's on their defensive side of the ball. They're all all of their first three steps in any offensive play against them is backwards. And that's really amazing because when the when the pit bosses played them, whatever zone they were running, the the deep left third zone of whatever their pass coverage allowed over 200 yards to Trey Robinson throwing to wide open, completely uncovered receivers. And I don't know what they're trying to do. But when you don't know what you know zone to call in a seven-on-seven seven league, what you do is you're going to just play aggressive, play man coverage, try to heat up the quarterback, see what you can do. Because one thing that stood out for us uh, as, the, as the broadcast team, we saw Dustin Kane all over the field. And if they use their size on the D-line and, and use Dustin Kane as like a missile attacking the, the offensive, you know, whatever – strong side, right side, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever keys or, you know, tendencies you see from an offense, if you use the aggression that we saw from Dustin came to get him on the other side of the ball, you might start seeing all of those mistakes that these teams that are, that are getting pressure on them, like OTT through five picks because the pit boss is put on pressure. Um, the insomniacs, they, you know, we're, we're saying that their offensive line wasn't doing a great job of blocking, but there's, there's a little bit more to the scheme in my opinion that messed, messed them up there. Um, but when there was pressure, Iriarte's throwing it to the other team. Uh, pressure makes all quarterbacks worse. 
It does, you know, we could talk about the greatest of all time that's ever played football in, in a most people's minds. And if you get pressure on that guy, he's pedestrian. So for me on defense, they should just scrap whatever this, this complicated system is that's giving up 50 points on average-ish and just go with something that's a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more vulnerable, which might be okay because they're giving up 50 anyway. And if they start making it a, a, a situation where the team that they're playing against is, is maybe scoring more points potentially, but not, not doing it comfortably, then you're, that's going to lead into those unforced errors, which are equalizers. And then on the offensive side of the ball, what I kept seeing from Iriarty is when he's confident and at the back of his drop delivers a pass, whether that's his receivers knowing what routes they're supposed to run, whether that's the scheme of his offense failing him because they constantly are shifting out of a wishbone into a twin set. And I don't see, you know, three-step routes. I don't see any combinations that are sending guys into different spots that, you know, attack the defense. Um, when, but when he was throwing the ball on time, I think he was probably closer to 50%. When he was having to look then dead in the rush, he looked like he was completely unconfident, lost all confidence, had no chance of doing anything for his team. And we, I saw Cunningham making some plays out there when he was getting the ball in his hands. This league is more about giving the playmakers a chance to run around because guys are going to miss tackles in the open field than it is about throwing the perfect pass after a five-step drop and a guy does a double move down the field. So Iriarty shows that he has the what I said is the posture of a quarterback but we'll see if he's able to make the decisions that a, that an A7 NFL quarterback has to make on a consistent basis to be successful in this league. Well, and to your point, I, I the the thing that they did the best throughout the game was when Ariarte decided to run the ball. When he would call, you know, a student body right and then run a counter to the left and just roll right. out. Those were all those were all pass plays, and you would get yardage on them. Those right. were well, all pass plays, but, and his, his my eyes point. went straight to running because he was bailing right. out on what the play was supposed to be. Because in 100%. my opinion, what I saw, what I saw is that he didn't either have the trust in his receivers, which is totally possible, or he didn't have the trust in himself because he didn't know what he was seeing. Because let's be honest, the A7FL moves a whole tick faster than all of the other leagues that guys are used to with a wider field, more linemen, and more more space from the defensive end to that point in the pocket where you're, where you're in, you know, where I get murdered every play. Right. Um, but, but so yeah, the apex of the pocket where the rush comes together, where, where we say meeting at the quarterback. But what I'm saying though, is with his running ability and how he was able to move the ball when, when the play did break down or when, when he had a counter called on a straight waggle, if they incorporate that into the game at the start of the game and get the defense recognizing that he has running capability. And if he fakes the run, whether it's himself or on a play action, those types of things is how you neutralize a fast rushing D line. And they have not taken advantage of, of that to, to, and to, you know, further their game. They kind of yeah, let well, it come to them and this, did it Derek? in desperation instead of planning for it. How about this, Derek? I'll Vegas you and double down on All that. Right. Like how it. about Lyles? Lyles was likely their best average, like, per play carry uh, attacker, right? Ball yep. carrier attacker, right? And Lyles, the fullback, when they would just do the dive that on every pass play, they play action when it was even fourth and 22. And then he didn't pick up a block, which is just a sin. But when they allowed their roster, which if you look at their roster, looks like a lot bigger roster than a, than a passing offense should look, in my opinion. And they were just having their big guys lean on the guys in front of them because – you know, at times 
you know, the hunters didn't have the D line in to just, you know, you know, squeeze and stop that middle run. If their identity is more, you know, power run to start and a little bit more play action, if they use the size, maybe four linemen and then get something like that going, you know, the whole 20 yard thing, you know, kind of throws the three yards in a cloud of dust out the window. But I, I thought that when they allowed their offensive line to lean on people, you know, when they weren't, you know, over leveraging, like falling on their faces, they, they were getting some blocks. But, um, you know, they got a lot of work to do, but they have enough time to do it. And, you know, as long it, I really don't think the record is important as long as they continue to get better. I think that they have a lot of pieces and, you know, the kind of uh, the kind of ship that Coach Q was running, you know, he who shall not be named over there because he I haven't seen him. So there's no reason to even sit, speak those words out there. Um, you know, what he did might be a blessing in disguise because this team is more about, you know, the long right way to do things than a quick fix that'll, you know, get you to 500 and then you're stuck. Well, I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in everything you guys just said, and it's going to be fun doing it. So here's the situation with their, with their group. And I agree with what you guys said on their offensive line. So the thing about it is <clears throat> if you notice when they were running, when the quarterback was scrambling and he did start to run for yards. Most of it is because of one thing, right? Most of the defense, most of the time, the defense was playing man up. So they had their back to the quarterback. So one of the first things that I would do, and of course, I'm going to throw this out there and it might get nullified by, um, by a defense that decides to play in a um, zone rather than in a man. But if that's the case, and I want to learn, I want to teach these guys how to play a little bit better, but I still want to, I still want to gain the yards and I still want to be competitive. Drop the uh, the running back. Forget the running back altogether. Let me go three wide. Let me have three deep offensive linemen. And let me put a man in motion. I want to see if you're man up. If you're man up, if I can't throw the ball, I'm going to tell my quarterback, take off. Because you're going to get yards. Again, anytime the defensive player has his back to the quarterback, it's going to allow for a man to run down the field without even being noticed. So yes, I think I that, that is something that they have to they have to pay attention to. I agree and with and you. you know I just awesome. I just haven't seen that scheming, that level of scheming out of the Insomniacs at all this thus far in, in two weeks, two weeks in a Jamboree of play. And you know what offense that kind of sounds like, guys? The horses? best team in your guys' division. <laughs> no, not the forces. They had the running back. <laughs> back all right. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like what the best team in your guys' division in the fall looks looks like. And and when they have a, a dynamic threat at the quarterback on both the run and throw what you can do is combine that position's responsibility, add the dynamics of three wide receivers you have to worry about. And when you put one in motion, it declares whether in your man zone, that's basic good football. And some of the arena concepts that I think are, are helping the pit bosses because coach Bartley knows what he's going over there. Yeah. And the thing about it is when we sit there and we look at what he's doing, you know, what they say about um, people that are mimicking what you're doing, obviously you're doing a good job. So it's, it's flattery. But <clears throat> that's something I've noticed from day one. Uh, Corey, you and I spoke about it. You were wondering what my thoughts were as far as um, running a team would be. Well, right now, that's part of it. I'm going to sit there in a three-receiver three set because I want to see what you're, what you're doing defensively. I want to make you show your hand before I snap the ball. I want to make it easy for my quarterback to gain that soft confidence because once he gains that soft confidence, like you said – a quarterback under pressure is always, well, not always going to crack, but nine times out of 10, they're going to crack. Well, so they're going to be worse than their best. Yeah. 
Exactly. So the easiest thing to done. do, the, and the thing about it is, if we can get him that soft confidence and make him understand the way the plays are, and the fact that he's already uh, five yards deep, so he doesn't need to take a drop, let's make it easier for him to read the defense and understand what's going on by putting players in motion. This whole thing of using utilizing a running back is great. Like you said, if your running back or your fullback can step up and catch a block, if they're running around that player, what's the point? The whole point on that is to give your quarterback a little bit of time. I don't care if you throw a shoulder into the damn defensive end. Do something to slow him up. Talk dirty in his damn ear as you're holding on to him. I could give a shit less. Say something, do something, but don't just run around the player. Let's have these quarterbacks have a, a, a little bit more to go on than just running around somebody and looking for the ball. Because that's all well and good, but if your quarterback is on his back, he can't throw you the ball, just like a running back on his back can't run the ball. Well, speaking of no-no for the gold, is that who the uh, Insomniacs are playing, Derek? Yeah, so, yeah, Insomniacs have the gold that's coming on the 8th. That's correct. And let me just, uh, let me just say uh, my apologies. I should be a, a, a more – a, a better guest on your guys' side, so I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to throw my guy Norris, uh, you know, under the bus too much. But what what I saw from the Golds running back number twenty is that on those ty- similar type plays, he was ready to get out there and catch the ball, which one time he did instruct to do. But that is what you're talking about, uh, Chris and 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 Derek. That is the team that they're facing, right? That's correct. So Should they're interesting. really interesting to me because because they're zero and two. But if you look at their point differential, it's minus four. And for the kryptonite, or excuse me, um, for the kryptonites who have lost to OTT and the hunters who only beat the gold by one point, um, you know, for those two teams to be so close to where the 0 and 2 gold are, it's interesting to see where they're kind of lining up. And as, as they continue to get better, and I think, uh, Jeremiah Reeves kind of reels in like what the roles should be for most guys. You know, they're, they're a team that I think has the talent and, and, you know, as a, as an expansion team, let's say in this league, um, they're, they're not, they're not incapable of playing great football, which we've seen what they're learning how to do is win in this league. And over the first two weeks, they're just this short in both of their games. And I would say one of the biggest thing, and, you know, maybe for this whole division to realize is huge maybe even the whole league, because even teams from Jersey get this wrong, is you have to practice those one-point conversion, two-point conversion plays because if the gold can convert two or three of those conversions, they could have beat the kryptonite with the same amount of output offensively that they put out there. And all they had to do was convert that one extra play. So, you know, when they're taking on the Insomniacs, I'm pretty sure that they're going to kind of get back on the right track because unfortunately for the Insomniacs, to me, they look like they're the team that's going to have to, you know, catch up the most in this fall, you know, who knows the, the three weeks could throw a kink into everything. And then, you know, we, we have no idea, but yeah, so, that's, so far, so that's the interesting thing that, and you bring up a great point, <clears throat> the, the, not the lack of play selection or capability of punching it in on the, on the two point or the one point specifically on the one point, when you are in a league like this, you have to have a package that's built to pick up, five to seven yards on every play to be successful because you're not going to complete a pass. You're not going to complete what you want on every play, but you you expect to go two-thirds. That's the way I've always looked at it as a, as a play caller. So I need to get seven – every play that I design needs to be set to pick up at least seven yards. That is an extra point. 
there's no reason why you can't make that happen every single time, especially if you've got success doing it two out of three times. I don't believe these guys are taking that same approach, but that's the way we always did it. And that's probably why we were one of the more, more effective teams at the conversions. They need to, they need to turn that on. That's, they need to practice the, the one point, the two point and special teams, special teams, yep are such an important thing in this league. And I, I consider the one point and two point also special teams, even though it looks like offense, that is special teams. That, that's a point that is not a standard play during the game it's and needs to be practiced. Yeah. Exactly. exactly, exactly. Now, the but interesting still- conversation we get into with the extra points and, and my argument is it becomes the, uh, the Golden State Warriors math equation. Because for, if you have the 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 identity let's say of what the hunters have shown and they're they're more of a they're more comfortable in a run situation you know the one point is probably your your best way to go if that's what your identity is but if you have the capabilities as 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 some of these teams do to to get that conversion in a pass the two point then becomes a little bit of a better shot because if you convert two of your four two points that's four points. That's the same as a perfect conversion rating from one. So it becomes this math equation that you kind of have to look at. And, and if, if nerds were involved in our game, which, you know, thank God they're not yet. Um, no offense if they are. On some things, I, guess. I am. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, are you doing analytics on one point and two point conversions? Because I just did the, the actual <laughs> analytics, which would be, look, if you're, if you're completing 50% of your two points, that's a better conversion ratio in most cases than you're capable of converting those one points. Now, if you're incapable of converting two points, then that's one thing. But let me just say this. In my, in my career, I'm pretty much 50%. If I got a one-on-one coverage and the guy's you know, three yards or less of a cushion, even if he's six yards, I'm throwing either the, the, the fade to the back of the end zone or, or the back shoulders to the front of the end zone. And 50% of the time, I can get that. So if, we, if you're the gold and you got a guy like Gaither, and let's give Greg Smith Snoop his due as the backup quarterback for the gold, who I think had potentially and likely so because Trey Robinson was forced with uh, little opportunities because his defense continued to score so many points. But Greg Smith could have been the leading passer yardage wise in week two of a seven FL fall. But well, let, let, me, let, me let, me, let, me just, let me just hang on. Let me just touch on Greg Smith okay. Snoop. So he is one of the premier quarterbacks in Las Vegas and eight on eight. So having him at their disposal as a backup was tremendous, but go ahead, Chris. Well, one of the things that I wanted to say was when I sit there and I look at it and Derek, you could speak to this because we, you know, playing in the flag league, um, we looked at this all the time. If you can, can, if you can uh, convert the majority of your one pointers, you're going to win period. Now you can always talk about the two pointer. Can we convert a two pointer? But if you have that play that you can lean on, to get you your one pointers and flip it, do whatever you need to do to make that one point conversion um, your go-to. You're going to win a lot more games. Now, when I look at this, the one thing that I always look at, especially because you're you're going from the five yard line, pick plays are very easy, very easy to read and very easy to see through um, what's going on in a defensive lineman. You don't need motion. You can you know that if they're playing man, you've got them. You know if they're playing zone. You've got them because the pick play makes it so easy for a quarterback to make that read and throw the ball to who it deserves to be thrown to. Again, you see a lot of teams going with a running back, going with two offensive linemen. And Chris, they're going with wishbone, receivers. man. They're going with wishbone, man. It's, hey, it's, I mean, let, it's let's bad. face it. It's bad. It is. It is. They need it the is. help. It's, 
it's horrible. And the thing about it is when you see that type of play, you know right away that if you were to do this the way it should be done, that play should be automatic. This should not be one of those things where we're sitting here talking about whether or not a team can make a one-pointer or a two-pointer. Those should be almost automatic. And when we played, they were almost automatic. And we're not talking about kicking the extra point. So, I mean, these things make a difference when you get into close competition. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, we are talking about the Insomniacs and in Gold, who are currently the bottom of the division. If the playoffs were to go today, they'd be out. So uh, they need to obviously turn something on. The Gold is very, very close and lost both games by a very narrow margin. And, uh, Again, one-pointers one here. One-pointers. <laughs> right, exactly. 100%. So this is super important for them. They need to focus on converting that because that is the difference for them. Insomniacs need a whole lot more work on all phases of the game. So, uh, but and we're getting low on time. So I want to talk about the other uh, two teams from last week, over the top and the hunters. So game one, week three, 10 a.m. Bonanza High School, uh, January eighth, will be the one and one over the top versus the two and zero hunters. And the hunters, one of two undefeated teams in our division with the pit bosses. So. A lot of good things we saw out of the Hunters. Obviously, they, they continue to win, and they're continuing to grow as a team. They've been doing this without Rashad Davis, who is, uh, Corey said, not to be named, but I'm going to keep bringing him up because he's been the topic of conversation on the majority of our podcast. And, and he should be back. he's been absent and not yeah. there. His voice yeah, he's, has he's, been heard. He's been, uh, he's His been back. play has not been seen. 100%. And he's been back. Right? right. So he was there for Jamboree, did not have a great showing. And the last two games, he's been back east, so he hasn't had he hasn't been in town to play. He he's supposedly back for for the eighth, and with or without Rashad, the Hunters are a very dangerous team. Uh, Keuno, uh, Kwame Southall, that dude is balling out of control and putting a stamp on the division and putting his name in the conversation for MVP as well. Without what might be their best weapon at his disposal. You know, it's interesting, too, because I had a conversation with Kaono after he got hurt, um, and it looked like it was just a strain, thankfully. But um, we had a conversation. We're sitting on the sidelines after the game, and I was just talking to him about the possibilities and what he was seeing as a quarterback. And I told him a few things that, you know, he really needs to look at. And it's interesting because the way that that kid sees the game is definitely from a quarterback standpoint – but he also gets the fact of what we've been talking about, which is spread the defense out and make them play man. And then it is a quarterback option. You can sit back and throw the ball or you can take off and run the ball. And as we've seen, this kid can run. You know, this, this kid is not a, um, a one-trick pony. This kid can run the ball. He knows what he's doing. And he is a field general, which I love. I love to see a quarterback take control of the huddle, take control of what's going on, but he also takes control of the sidelines. And his coach said as much, and you saw it. When you're when I was walking on the sidelines and I'm talking to him and he's listening, he's paying attention to the game, he's paying attention to what's going on, and he comes back and asks his coach, you know, hey, what did you see in the, on that last play? What did, where, you know, where was the safety sitting? What were the corners doing? It gives him his keys that he needs to read. And I think that it's just a matter of time before this team is really, you know, they're, they're not bad, 
but it's just a matter of time before this team really starts to to gain momentum and starts being a force. And no pun nope. to the force. <laughs> Wait, that's going to screw us up the entire uh, <laughs> life we're going to have together, isn't it? <laughs> Well, when we say force, guys, we want on here. The force is killing me every time I say their name because well, I'm not team, necessarily talking about them. Right. The team has now been called by the Baltimore guys the forces, so that's the team. And then when we use the other word, we could just get away with it. But I will, I will say this about the Hunters and and K Uno has played great, but the offense that they are a- asking us to watch is has has not been. And look, you can do the wishbone, but when you do the wishbone and you hand it off to the, to the fullback, what you should be doing, and, and Rob would pause me in a second, but you should be doing a ride with the fullback. 100%. And then carrying out the, the, either the option fake or the student body fake type quarterback sweep that they're doing. Most of their, most of their successful plays were ad-lib plays by their you know, elusive and electric quarterback. You know, the, the, the two great, highlight runs were the worst designed plays I've seen in a seven, unless you're just basically saying, look, we're running student body, right? It worked in 1910. You know, there weren't cars then we're just going back in time. And if that's what you're (laughs) saying, then that's great. You know, just let your, let your running back find a seam in the defense, cut it all the way back, which I don't think we would teach any of our youth football players to ever do because it's just not the right way to play football. But in the a seven, if you're just a superior asset, you can get away with it. Now, the, 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 passing, the passing potential of this team is evident that their quarterback was throwing it to their receiver's hands. But when you're, you're saying that your formation is wishbone, all of the routes that you can run are, are, are completely cut off because there's, there's a lot less space to work with because you're all starting in the same spot. You're all in the middle of the field. So what we saw is that they had two completions, even though, you know, I think six or so passes were catchable. And that offense to me so far has been Kwame Southall overcoming his coach shackling a team with a lot of talent. And I don't mean this as disrespect. I, 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 would, I would prefer, you know, the, some of the earlier points that Chris made and, and some of the, the ways that you can still do the same types of things or at least have your quarterback doing the proper steps and fakes for misdirection and a wishbone. So you can get it, you know, at least take advantage of the defense playing on their back on their heels a little bit, but it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see in a game where, you know, the hunters look like they're going to be a a competitive team for sure. But if they run up into a team that wants to play tough defense in the box, stops all the running plays and then cuts those lanes off for K Uno, and they have to pass the ball. I don't think the quarterback's incapable or the receivers aren't able to catch or do, do some things. But I yeah. think that if you're going to be practicing wishbone all of the time, your defense better stop the other team from scoring because you're going to have to play that style. Because if they have to come back from a, a touchdown or two, you know, they're not going to have the, the same kind of output that we saw Greg Smith have for the gold, which are 0-2 but were able to come back against the kryptonite, even though they were down at times by, by a full two scores. Damn, but not really. 1910? Really? We're going back to leather helmets? <laughs> I mean, student, <laughs> body, right, student body right has, has, has not been a feature or a staple in offenses since well before any of us were born, I would say. And uh, I, I don't know about all that, man. I'm a lot older, I'm a lot older than you think. 
but that's what I'm saying. Like none of us really here can claim that we have any idea, you know, as, as advanced in age as we may be some of us and I'm still on the field. So I, I seem older, but I'm actually relatively a young man if I were to retire, which is the funny thing about sports, I guess, since football in general. But I mean, I like what the hunters are, have shown, but let's say, let's say when they face the pit bosses, are they going to be able to run wishbone the way they've shown the first two weeks against that defense? No, not at all. No, not at but, all. No, no fact, but it might be setting everything up for that game. So obviously, if you know how to run the wishbone well and you understand to get your offensive line to hold their water so you don't have an illegal offensive lineman downfield, when everyone's looking into the backfield trying to figure everything out and you slip a tight end from one side to the other and release him behind the defense, they're done. So well, have you the, the, seen any of those? Have you seen any of those designs, sleight of hand, misdirection things yet from their offense? Not at no, all. We, but that's, and that's are they holding, point. Are they holding we haven't seen three offensive linemen from them either. Right. Are we holding that? Are like are they holding it tight to their chest because they're they're saving it for the better competition? I don't think so. They were trying I, I to win think, the games that they were in. I think they're holding it tight to their chest because they haven't figured out and practiced enough together to execute that, quite frankly, yet. And the fact that they're winning without having to go to that is a testament to what they've done so far. But to your point against the pit bosses, putting up 50 points a game plus on average, it's not going to hold up, but with well, a ball control offense OTT, like that right? as well, that's who they are playing is right. OTT over the top. And uh, you know, a lot has been said now, you know, the, the game that was their first chance on national television was against the class of the divisions. So that's always a tough, tough go round. But you know, for as great of a player as Savion Cunningham is, you know, that team is in like a really tough spot for, for a team that, you know, is going to have to convert pass plays. And you guys know what I'm going with it. OTT, the, the biggest part about OTT with them and with Savion, love the kid to death. <clears throat> he's, not a, he's not a polished receiver yet. And when he does become one, if he becomes one, that kid is going to be unstoppable. But the bottom line is, even with the, the way that they are set up and with their quarterback, that I know that they, you know, were, were talking about, he needs a little bit of seasoning and he needs a little bit of time with his, with his wide receivers. The other thing that they need um, for OTT to really put them over the top is going to be somebody with an offensive mind that can help them kind of, um, kind of really put a, a playbook together that is going to work with the skill set that they have. And they have a pretty good skill set. But they need to have somebody that is a little bit more strong of mind and going to push them in the direction they need to go. Well, and and like Corey and the guys on the rest of the guys in the 301 podcast have been doing giving for Christmas, we need to give them confidence in their quarterback play. They were, they were rotating quarterbacks left and right because they didn't have anything going. And as Corey said multiple times, if you've got three quarterbacks, you've got zero. Yeah, yep. And they, they have one particular guy, and I don't know who it is, that G said – it should be their quarterback and is the guy that they want to run with. And I said, gee, this is our fall season. Instead of rotating guys in and out, you should be keeping him in the fire, helping him That'd understand how to play the position, make sure that he understands the reads and coach him up during the game instead of swapping him out to hell with what guys are saying to let me in. I can do it. No, that's not the goal here. The goal is to get the quarterback that we need educated to the point where he can compete next, next week or, or maybe yeah. in this game. But Gee, you that know sounds how like somebody goes. I remember that I met when he was 19 years old. Right. 
<laughs> but you know, you guys know how it goes. You right. guys know. I'm how not it mentioning goes. any names. Right. I was and not a was great quarterback. It was Derek Duncan. We've heard that story. But but for <laughs> OTT, you know how that goes, though. It's nice to say that this is our quarterback. But when he's throwing it to the other team and the guy's literally just the only one standing there, the rest of the guys on that roster also need to prove that they're the answer. And you have to have somebody in there that's capable of testing to see what other receivers can do. To be fair but, to Savion, Savion may or may, Savion well, may, or on, may not be a polished receiver. But if he doesn't have a quarterback that can throw him a, a slant Corey, on it, time. But you got you to gotta understand something, though. When, when Derek just said it, wide receivers are always wide open. We've heard it from them. They're the divas of the bunch. Hell, I used to be one, I know. Um, the fact of the matter is you have to understand play. You have to understand what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish. Now, you can do it the right way and you can do it the wrong way. What I saw from OTT right now is them trying to do it the wrong way. And when the situation allows itself with their quarterback that they pulled really quick, because let's face it, how many, how many interceptions were thrown? And it wasn't just by their starting quarterback. It was by almost all of their quarterbacks that went in. It was five. Threw a pick. They threw a pick. So let's be real. If you're going to start a quarterback and you're going to live and die with that quarterback, then you have to make sure that you are playing to what he can do. And that's something that took me a season with Derek. I had to understand what his capabilities were and what I needed to do for him to make sure that he was in the best position to succeed. And then we started to succeed once I understood that. Derek, am I wrong? We took about a season before we really, really started to click as an offense. Right. We showed showed everybody what we could do at the very beginning, but it wasn't until we started gelling it as a unit and understanding everyone's capabilities. And, you know, I had to tell you guys, look, guys, I can run fast. We know this, but I can't run left and make a cut. So all of our plays that are designed for, for me to roll left, they're all pass plays, but nobody can know that. And having everybody understand that if I'm rolling left, it's just a waggle. And not to break down and to and to start expecting me to run because it's not going to happen. It's just out. Everybody knew that. So if I rolled out to my left, I was going to drop and throw the ball. If I was rolling to my right, chances are I was going to run. But as a group, once we got that going, we were unstoppable. And that's a situation where literally I knew when he rolled my side because I played predominantly left side of the of the uh, offense. When he rolled my side, I would act like I'm blocking and then take off because I exactly. knew he was going to throw the ball, but that's the situation that I'm talking about with OTT. G is understanding his role a little bit more, but he's got to come full circle and understand, look, it's all nice to be friends and everything else, but that's after the game. That's before the game. During the game, what I say goes, and this is a situation that we're in. We've got to run and understand what our quarterback is capable of doing and start to play to his strengths rather than just saying, this is what we want you to do. So I think it's going to take him a little bit. And I've seen what this kid can do. And I've seen the kind of arm that he has. He needs to be coached up a little bit more and he's going to be good, but it's just going to take a little bit of time and somebody to work with them. And they got to trust that can, Yeah. And I think that could be said with a lot of the quarterbacks in our league and a lot of the receivers as well. They just have to understand the nuances of playing the game. The game just doesn't come. There's certain things that you got to do. Running fast is nice, and it's great when you have the ball after you catch it, but you've got to understand the nuances of how to run a route to separate. 
and how to run a route to make sure that other players are getting a look because your route is not necessarily the main route. You could be running a dummy route to open somebody else up and they have to run what's called. So all that takes place. And I think that, you know, these guys are getting there and it's just going to take a little bit of time. And I think the challenge is having a player coach in in that regard. That's not standing on the sideline, picking that out and and telling people they didn't run the right route is what's going to slow OTT down. So now they've got Tyrone, they've got Tyrone in there now, who's a great dude, but he's a defensive minded guy. So I'm hoping that with him being on the sideline, seeing it, that that's something that he can coach into those guys while G's on the field. Well, for me, the way that I look at OTT is the, is the way that I look at a lot of, especially when I'm looking at the offense, and is, is if I were the quarterback for OTT, what I would be doing is looking at what I have as a positive. And now whenever they line up against any team, usually the matchup, because this is a matchup league between Savion Cunningham and whoever is standing on the opposite side of the field against him, you win that matchup. So you exploit that matchup. And when you see 12 guy, 12 yards off coverage, guess what? I'm just going to quickly throw it over a bullet pass to him. And now it's a three on one. If he stays to the right side of the field and doesn't do the, the cute cutback type of stuff that some of those guys do. Now he's getting positive yardage. Now the corner has to play a little bit tighter. And if now he's playing that tight, any double move within the first three yards of Savion Cunningham, me as a quarterback for OTT, I'm hitting him down the field now threatening the defense, so whether that's a catch or not. And we, he's proven that he's making that catch more often than not, especially when it's a 50-50 ball because he's going up and catching double coverage 50-50 balls, which makes it a third ball, and that's 100% every time. Right. So, or like I said, or as you motion him, I'm, or, I'm or you motion him to the slot or you motion him to the slot and then run a corner, right? Well, and then but, what you do – and then what you do is, is if you threaten that defense – um, oh, now we got to play a safety over the top. Well, now the math is in your favor because two guys are covering one pass receiver and the rest of your six guys only have to handle five guys in the run game. Right. And now I'm winning the game with OTT's roster because they have athletic guys. And I gave Jermaine Levy a hard time, but he's a running back. And he showed that he's got the, he's got the juice to him to maybe get in the open field and do some things. You know, G, G heard, he's got some, it, and it wasn't crown royal juice, you know, it wasn't that tough. It was, it was some gin and juice. <laughs> or but what I saw from OTT is they have the roster that as a, if I were the quarterback for OTT, I could win games with that. Now, yes, for sure. what you, what you guys are saying is that the player coach, and this is, this is the conversation we always have because the player coach is only effective if he knows what he's doing and he's setting it up. And I don't want to put G hurt under the bus, but guys respect knowledge guys respect success and guys respect a leader and and i'm not saying anybody is lacking in that position but what you see when you do the quarterback carousel and g g heard himself is coming in at quarterback and then he fumbles is that there if there's no consistency at that position then there's no voice to look to either in the huddle or the sideline for answers and what what's great about having a coach like like bartley and coach mack out there is that that's the leader. And it's not just the leader in the message of what the scheme is. It's the leader in that this is our alpha and we listen to coach. And then everybody's in line. Now we talked about the hunters. Their coaching seems to be limiting at least their offense. So having a coach is great, but if he's, if he's limiting you with a scheme that's not necessarily working, then it might be incumbent upon a player like Kay Uno 
to who has a good relationship with coach say, well, coach, I think that based on what I'm seeing as a player and my skill set, we can make this adjustment. And that that's when the player coach and mentality comes in. So it's going to be interesting in this fall to see how these things shape up and how all of the decision making off of the field right on the other side of that sideline or the hash, you know, is 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 it's such an important factor in how these teams progress, especially. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, so uh, in closing, Casey, I wanted to touch base with you on the analysis you've heard on all six teams and kind of get your take on what this season in the fall looks like in comparison to what we had to work with in the spring with teams that were coming in from, from out of town and, and playing against Vegas versus Vegas playing against each other and the, and the, the drama that's ensuing with all these guys who have played together for all these years now squatting up and playing against each other. What, what's, what's your thoughts there and the, as, a, as a closing conversation? Because we've got to wrap it. Absolutely. Um, you know, compared to spring – you know, I thought it was a joy seeing all these teams come from out of town and getting to play them, seeing kind of what the California ball looked like. But then coming into fall and seeing all these Vegas teams that we have built and they're playing each other, they all know each other. They played with each other in high school. They played with each other in college. They may have played with each other in the NFL, somewhere like that, in one of the other leagues. Um, so they've grown and they've known each other. And to see them all on different teams and kind of the – the trash talking, as Chris has said, you know, some of that trash talking down on the field, we don't necessarily get to hear it, but we do get to see kind of the facial reactions because there's no helmets. Um, I think it's brought a more exciting level of football uh, to our division and to the A7FL totally. Um, just seeing Vegas versus Vegas and seeing how well these, not only the players know each other, but the coaches know each other and the coaches interacting on the sidelines as well as the players. Yeah, so I, I've seen that the level of competitiveness seems to be raising every single week. Like the, oh, yeah, in, the increase in capabilities from the bottom teams and the middle teams to ascend towards the pit bosses where they are at the pinnacle right now seems to be happening every week. Even the Insomniacs, as inept as they've been so far, I can see progression from them on a weekly basis, getting better, being a little bit more competitive on every play, and maybe not competing to win a game, but competing to win on every play th this last week. So the coming week, I think Insomniacs are going to probably play a game that's going to be a much tighter game based on the level of progression, seeing people every week and having film and being able to see these guys on a weekly basis. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And I think, I, I mean, I'd fall right in line with that. I, I told Coach Q, I said, you know, I see a win coming your guys' way pretty soon. It's just a matter of you guys getting the young guys to be able to gel and understand this game the way it needs to be understood. Um, as far as the Hunters go, I think what they have there is a total package. I think if Rashad will come back and maybe realize that, yeah, he came with the intent to be a franchise quarterback, but I think his place on this team may be better off at either a running back or a wide receiver position I think that's he's where they'll help he's out there. And if he's he does, if he if he sees that and the coach talks to him and they agree on that and he actually chips in at that position, then I think the hunters remain dangerous. But I think if Rashad comes in and tries to, this is my team, this is my, I'm the quarterback, da-da-da-da-da, um, I think that's Kay Uno's job right now. I think he's shown that he's more than capable of running that offense and that team and the style they want to run. Um, and I think Rashad is a very good ball player. I've seen the videos, um, but I think – 
his intentions of coming over as a quarterback may have been short-lived. I think they found their quarterback. I think he needs to fall in line where he might belong, and that might be the running back position. Right. Um, well, and think about but, it. If you keep K. Uno at quarterback and you have now a blazing fast runner in Rashad as the other person who's on the in that wishbone offense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but if he's in that wishbone formation as the outlet guy, what does that Absolutely. do to the defense who's trying to have to track that down? Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, I think that can be dangerous. It's just a matter of does Rashad agree and will Rashad fall in line? And that'll be, that'll, that's to be seen. Well, hopefully for the Hunters, because when his pants are off, he's untackable because no man wants to tackle a man with his pants down. You know, hopefully That's a three-year-ago callback, like Corey. <laughs> you got to explain that, bro. No one else on this show besides me and you knows what you're talking about. Well, this is what I I'll say. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to say his name. I haven't seen his face. But to shout out my guys in the parlay, the, the Florida broadcast, Joey Bate has this explanation about this person and I think it's the best. And I'm just going to list a couple of things. 18. O-Town Orange. Insomniacs. Over the top. And now Hunters. And those are in those same three years since Rashad Davis joined the A-team after skipping out on the playoffs because he thought he was good enough to just join the roster. Returned a three-on-one throw-off, the only score for the Florida team that was playing the U that day. But maybe one of the reasons why, and you get, you can all check the tape on YouTube. It's the it's the 2021 Final Four, the Patterson U versus the Tampa A team, and uh, my man scored on three on one, which was electric, and it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in our league, uh, and maybe most entertaining. But his pants did come down, so you know, as as the four of us men in a tackle league, no pads. I don't know. Maybe give it, give that score to him when they're up 70. But since the A team, they were once the champs in Florida. And last season, they were one and four. In 2022, the O-Town Orange, they weren't able to field a roster because of some certain things that may or may not have happened. And in 2022, they didn't exist. In 2023, they're coming back. Shout outs to Coach D. Lane. Then we would fast forward to the Insomniacs. And Coach Bunak is a great man and a great person. And we could talk about that at another time. And then you go to OTT and now we're here. So what we're going to do is not talk about it anymore. And right. if something's worth talking about, that would be great. And I would love to see that. But right, I have well, no confidence in it. And I think Kuno is a very good quarterback. And the best place for that person is in a different time zone while the Hunters are playing games, personally. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you said, you've said it. All right. So with that, guys, I'm going to ask for closing shots because I've got to shut it down. We've got a night's game at 7 o'clock. Go Knights, go. I got uh, one thing for closing. Actually, two. One is a statement. The other one's a question. So the statement is simple. In this, in, within this, um, now that we're, we're, we're kind of going with, our, with the league, within this season, we are going to see a team that loses, that shouldn't lose against the talent that they're playing against. And it's going to be by losing by extra points. Because I seriously see a lot of deficiencies there when it comes to the extra points. Then the second piece of it is, Corey, you're coming in from the outside. I've heard some of your podcasts when we were um, just the new Vegas division. You've seen the talent. You've seen the teams. The one thing I didn't get to ask you and put you kind of on the spot was, what are your thoughts now 
when you see the talent that Vegas has compared to some of the other divisions and some of the other leagues that are some of the other divisions within the league that you have seen? Well, I think that's a, that's a very long answer. And, and for all of the people that may or may not know me, even if you've just listened to just this podcast for the first time and I, you were just introduced to me, I think that's, that's, that's an answer for either a, a, a post show or another broadcast. And I'd be more than happy to, but the simple answer is that it's un, that, that it's incomplete because the best part about what we're seeing is the full gamut of what we would expect because we're seeing guys that are still learning how to play the game and are struggling. We're seeing guys that are actually starting to put it together and are shining. We're seeing guys that are doing both and we're seeing teams that are starting to get Rob and Matt excited. But what I would say is, is just like I did on the three on one podcast, you know, Chris, your line iron sharpens iron is great. And I think the pit boss is rising to the level and, and, and maybe being that, that, that top team or, or a contender for the top team out there is, is one of the best things we've seen in the fall so far. But I think from my talks with Rock Briscoe, you know, the confidence I think that Kurt has in Coach Mack and what they're doing over there and the hidden moves that I think the force, the forces, they're moving in silence. And I think what I wish I could see and what I think would, would be a better way to gauge where everybody's at is if the force were in this tournament and we could apples to apples compare what the force have shown and some of their deficiencies and that they've improved upon them. And then also that comp to the rest of the divisions, which to be fair, I think what I see from the pit bosses is, is on the same level as all of those teams in the back end of that top 10 that we did that little fun top 10 that made you guys think about it. But what I wouldn't say is, is I, I'm not ready to put the, the pit bosses right in front of the force, just like I wouldn't put the night crawlers in front of the U. So there, I think, I think, you know, for, for as, as disrespectful as the New Jersey guys are at, at times, especially Rob with his, his very high, you know, very, you know, very succinct hierarchy as we did in our, uh, you know, last week. Right. Episode. <laughs> right. Um, what we are, are show me guys. And, right. you know, I tried to make a comparison on our show about who Trey reminds me of. And Rob wasn't even ready to say that the best player in the fall so far, the most electric, the, the guy with the NFL pedigree, the guy that's shown, you know, even last year on a team that, you know, he was pulling things together with not enough guys, to be honest. Um, you know, Rob was still a little bit hesitant to say, hold up. That's who that is yet, because we have not seen him against the, the, the watermark in this league. And that's right. maybe not fair, but that's sometimes how it goes. And I'm just lucky that he thinks I'm good because he's seen me make enough plays <laughs> that he doesn't give me a hard time. So, uh, and I'll agree with you. And what I've been trying to express to you guys when it came to that top 10 was that the pit bosses belonged to that top 10. They, they had, or the LA aces belonged on that. Top not 10. yet. Not, no, 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 And now that's not what I'm that's not what I'm saying, because the top 10 was not based on last year's roster. The top 10 was based on what the roster was going to be and what the conversation kept being when it was about Vegas. Oh, last year, last year, last year. And then what was about every other team this year, this year, this year. So what I'm expressing to you and to carry on to Rob and everybody else is if you think the pit bosses had that much of an increase where they belong on the top 10, why don't you think the force had that good of an increase as well? And that's the part that's missing. It's not like the force said, you know what, we're just going to run it back. We, we know that we were good enough and we, we, 
we didn't beat BIC, but we've got a chance to, you know, uh, to, to compete next year. We're not going to do anything different, but go out and get worked by BIC again. No, they've been in the lab. They've been making changes, getting better. And you will see a market increase from the force the same way you will, you saw a market increase from the pit bosses. And you're and preaching I, to the choir if you listen closely, because on that top 10, I was only moderating and I was only put in the corner when I was talking trash about individual people because Rob had to force the renegades conversation in there. So my take would be is if you look at what we ended up with the top 10, we still based it everything on last year, except for we said that the night crawlers were better than the rare breed, even though the rare breed actually no. the no, we did put the Nightcrawlers at three. So we said that Nightcrawlers proved that they were better than the Rare Breed, even though the Rare Breed won. But every other team was basically last year's result. And at the bottom, I think we were struggling to really say, like, basically that we don't know enough about any of these teams' rosters coming up in the next year. But I would say that even though I love the Ghosts and what they do in Florida, I would be very comfortable to say that the Pit Bosses, in my opinion, would give the, the, the Tampa Nightcrawlers a better game than probably the Ghosts in their own division would. Um, what I've seen from Trey Robinson and the coaching and the, the, the culture that they're building in the pit losses, I'm ready to say that that's a, that's a team that I would prefer if my chances were not to play them. And what I would also say is, is that everybody, you know, all, even the two guys that I call the games with, they's, they's be sleeping on the forces and I would not be sleeping on them forces. <laughs> right on so well, all right casey I, i'm gonna so Corey, thank you for that analysis i believe that we're kind of on the same page i just wanted you guys to understand where no, I, no no I no no from, why i keep like saying I the said, things that i'm saying the choir because i i actually i like what i'm seeing out in the vegas division in general but again in in jersey we're show me and you guys you guys have shown us a lot in these first two weeks but there's a lot of football to be played and you know one thing we can say about what the what the two teams that played the pit bosses so far, they they both had severe issues that that the pit bosses easily exploited. So some of these top, some of these better teams, you know, that haven't played them yet, you know, maybe they can maybe they can make them look a little bit more vulnerable than they've have in this first two weeks. But to be honest, my my opinion, at least right now, I, I don't think that that's going to be something that I would expect. All right, Casey, what do you got to close us out? Man, um, I'm looking forward to January 8th and the matchups. I think it's going to be the most exciting week that we've had yet uh, for the fall brawl. I would agree with that. So we've got uh, a lot of good things coming up. We'll do a little bit more promoing that next week. I want to thank Corey Hammond for joining us and for being on the broadcast last week. I'm looking forward to honing our skills collectively. Chris, thank you for everything you do on the field. Casey, thank you for everything you do on the broadcast. Will you please take us out? Yes. Until next time, folks, we will see you on the other side of the ball.